Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown and I am joined by my brother, Sam Sweeten. How's it going? We um, had a previous recording of this episode. We recorded it about a week ago, actually. But we recorded it right after the tournament. I guess it must have been on Sunday or something like that. It was really soon after the tournament, um, the Swiss tournament. But right now, spoiler alert, Sam is going to be playing Noah in the final match. Sam, when are you guys going to be playing that? Uh, Tuesday evening. Tuesday evening. Okay, that'll be good. So that'll be awesome for us all to um, t- tune into. And it's also, it's going to be a Spectre Mirror. You're both running Motivation, right? Yep, it's uh, the, the true mirror. It's going to be good. It will be. And what map are you playing on? Uh, that is unknown. Okay. Um, what What I want to do is we're going to give an overview of the tournament in terms of just... I think it's an interesting look into what the meta is going to be at Worlds, although now, obviously, with um, the finals being what they are, I bet we're going to see a little bit more Spectre and a little bit less of everything else. Um, but we, we can talk about that in a little bit. But the reason why I wanted to re-record this episode is because we have both had the benefit of playing a few games in the cut, and I think that's going to give us some additional helpful inf- information. So first off, the only news is that... Um, Worlds is coming up in two weeks, which is kind of insane. Almost a week and a half. Like, we're going to be flying out on Thursday, I believe. Um, Thursday evening is when we're all going to be getting into Chicago. So get a, make sure that you're checking into the Slack because we're, we're figuring out, I think we're going to Giordano's or Giordano's or however the heck you say that on Friday evening. I don't think we've got a ton of other plans, but I think we're going to try and do something like play board games or play other games in between tournaments so make sure that you're plugged in on that but besides that there's no news like everyone's just kind of grinding out games matt matt came over to my house last night and we grinded out five games and then proceeded to talk about politics for two or three hours but um we we grinded out five games playing this double pirates list versus specter and we're gonna i'm gonna give some additional thoughts on that but i think that everyone just needs to focus on buckling down and grinding out games. Whatever your list you're going to play, you should decide that probably right now <laughs> if you have not already decided it, and then just start start playing games, start working on your openings, practicing, blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know, but if for whatever reason you have been on the fence up until now, the time to get off that fence is at this moment. So first off, a little bit of background. We had this Zion's Finest Vassal Tournament. It was Jason Breggy's idea. It was a freaking amazing idea. And what we decided to do was have a day that we set apart in order to play um, Vassal games. And it's, it's a, it was a regional. We want to structure it as a regional in the sense of we wanted it to operate um, with on a Swiss schedule. Like you'd play an opponent, move on to an opponent with a similar record. We had incredibly good feedback. We ended up doing the tournament on March 9th. But we had like a warm-up tournament on March 2nd. Evan and Micah ran that. That one had 12 people play. Victor Jack on the Slack won that one. Um, I don't think they did a cut, although maybe they did. I'm not actually 100% positive. Um, They did not. They they did not have a cut? Okay. And then we had March 9th, we had 41 people showed up to play. We had, I think, like 50 or something registered. But we, as we expected to, we had a few people drop. But we had 41 people playing, which is amazing. I am impressed that we were able to get it off like we did. Um, we only had one one problem with Challenge uh, blowing up on us midway through. Um, it was failing to calculate Swiss um, standing correctly. I think what it had done is DT had gotten a buy first round because we had an odd number of players. So DT gets a buy, and it doesn't count his buy as a win. So DT at 2-0 and is playing an 0-2 or something. Like, he was playing down, but he was playing an 0-2. So obviously that was a problem. So we kind of had to do that on the fly. But besides, that was amazing. And we are definitely going to be doing tournaments like this again. We had some sweep prizes. We had that Sabine card. You had to play all of your games of Swiss in order to get it. And they are... I packaged them up, mailed them out today. So it was just awesome. It was a really, really good tournament. What I want to do is let's have, we'll give an overview as to what the faction breakdown was for the tournament itself. Then we'll talk about, we'll give some general thoughts on that. Then we'll move into talking about the cut and we'll talk about the list that made the cut. And then we're going to talk about the cut as we go through. So Sam, first off, do you want to start off and give us just an overview of like what the Swiss breakdown looked like? In the Swiss, we had 13 Spectre lists. Uh, we had, <clears throat> which was about 31%. We 
we had about 43% were scum. Yep. Um, that was a mix of various things. We'll, we'll talk about each of those. Um, rebels, we only had 5% non-Spectre Rebels. That was two and lists. And 10% Empire. Yep. Yep, that is right. Um, do you want to go into... I think the ones to talk about are the most prevalent like sub factions represented were the middle middle scum other middle middle scum is like what i'm calling it this is like the point hunters it's like sabine hondo um things yeah that so are... th- yeah so what we had with scum is we saw basically three types of lists well yep. two two types of lists and then a subtype of one of those subtypes we had ig lists yep there were five of those yep and then there were middle middle lists yep which no queen um, pieces. Yeah, they have no queen pieces. How they run is they have a bunch. Uh, they have a lot of attackers that um, one of them isn't as key to your strategy. So maybe you can lose one or two of them, but you're hoping to pump out a ton of damage with those hunters. Um, three of them were running double pirates. Yep. And uh, there was nine other middle middle lists that were running either some types of scum heroes or just one set of weak weight pirates. And that that was the most prevalent type of scum list with with nine of those. And um, <clears throat> so that's where we really had the breakdown there yep. with, with scum. Yep. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. But the only scum list that made the cut, only three lists made the cut, and they were all the ones running double pirates. I think – and this – so – JK and I were running two of those double pirate lists, and the other one was being run by Mark Niley. And Mark's list is a little bit different than JK and I. JK and I just went, like, pure aggro. We've got double pirates, Onar, Jabba, who's dishing out focus and and providing additional attacks, Greedo, Rebel Care Package. And in this tournament, I ran an elite Jawa with Black Market in addition to Temporary Alliance. I think JK did the same. We have since switched to running a regular Jawa and running um, Devious Scheme, which I wish I would have ran at... I, I guess it wouldn't have super mattered in at the tournament, um, but it's. I think that it's the right call currently. Um, the other thing to notice is I said this earlier. I referenced it earlier. Only two rebel lists showed up. That was Steven Rinsma and Matt Froome. They both both were running Jamal Heroes lists. That's Han, Drock, Sabine. They and they were the only. They were the only two rebel lists. Like there wasn't anything else. Not a single Alliance Ranger list, which I yeah. think is kind of crazy. So. It, 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 it really is. I mean, they've been such a staple for so long, and then all of a sudden they just disappear with a couple bad map rotations and Spectre Cell. And yeah, I mean, Spectre Cell they could have handled, but losing Uscrew for Maul's map is just like backbreaking for them. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I just don't think there is. It's not like as I've played, we I, we have grinded a lot of games on Maul's map in the last week and a half, two weeks. Yes. And as we played it, I have found like there are. Like you can draw lines of sight, right? Like, and you can even draw line, long lines of sight, but it's really hard to do it a lot of the time. And your specter player can deny it to you a lot of the time. And so then you're taking suboptimal shots is the, is kind of the idea. And it's just, Ooh, it hurts. It hurts real bad. So it wasn't real. I wasn't super surprised that no one showed up with Alliance Rangers. I am a little surprised that only two rebel hero lists showed up. So, um, and they both went two and two, um, and they obviously they didn't make the cut, but I think that was I, I still think that's actually a good showing for them considering how fierce the competition was. Yeah, and I think we, that's perfectly respectable. Yeah, absolutely, especially because and I'll well I, I as an editorial note. So on Thursday we were grinding out games at Endzone. I tried to play Jamal's list. I played it against Aaron on Maul's map, and I had like amazing cards. All of the cards, Jamal, if you're listening to this, I had all the cards you want to see. And I could not kill, I still could not kill them fast enough. You know, like that, I just, you can't do it if they can go from denying you all shots to all four, like four of them are in your grill at the start of round two. So it was rough, or even round three, right? Like if they're denying shots. But the other thing I, w- I want to say is that out of the eight Empire lists, four of them were VPT and one of them made the cut. So, and one Empire list total made the cut. That was being run by Matt Ayler. So, it's a it's a really really interesting like it's it's kind of a re- repeat of last year right in terms of there's a little bit of empire and then specter like you just can think of it as its own separate thing and then a ton of scum I mean scum was 
had by far the most factions. I think we had 18 scumless. Yeah, 18 scumless. So I guess not by far. It was only five more than Spectre, but um, there was a lot, lot, lot of scum. So. Yeah, there, there, there really was. Um, what happens though with the cut, the, the cut, yeah, is you don't see near as many scum though. Nope, only the three, like we said earlier. Um, yep. Do you have any other thoughts on the faction breakdown for Swiss? Because I do want to, I do want to talk about the cut. But do you have any thoughts in terms of um, other thoughts on Swiss? Do you think that this is, rep- how do you think that this um, faction breakdown changes in the next two weeks before Worlds? Sure. So I thought what I think what people were doing here was they were giving a lot of their, um, I think a lot of these middle middle lists were kind of yep. people thought that that's where it's at. That's what maybe has a chance against Spectre. Yep. And sure. I think with what happened in this tournament, people are going to be more inclined to say, you know what? Like this tournament that just happened a couple weeks before Worlds, I went with this these middle middle type of lists and it didn't work out. Yep. I'm just going to play Spectre. Yeah. And so, so that's what I expect to see to happen. I expect this 31% Swiss Spectre to double at Worlds. Really? So, so we see 60% Spectre. Yeah. I mean, 60% always seemed to be so high, but now it doesn't seem like that crazy high. I think, personally, I think that we settle in like the 50% range just because I think that there are enough people who have played Spectre in like a mirror match and just gotten worked by somebody who has played it more. Who just sure. think, well, I'm not, I don't want to do that, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to run Spectre into other people who have been playing, the, playing it more. Although there will be some, right? Like, because if you're playing Spectre and you run to a non-Spectre list on Blitz, assuming you've got any practice with it, you're going to do fine. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so I think that we might see, we, we might see people who, while they're not super confident in their play, they know that like its matchup is just so strong that they're willing to eat a little bit of their inexperience in the mirror. Yep. Yeah. I, I I think you're probably right with 50% being around there, but I still think – I think we're just saying that there's going to be a lot of Spectre cell. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I expect us to have around 70, 60 to 70 people at Worlds just because with FFG taking so long to get people on the wait list news about getting a ticket that most people like Aaron in our local playgroup – he just, I mean, there was no way he could, with two weeks' notice, book a ticket, figure out where to stay, right? Like, it was just way, way, way too much. And very, very poor showing on FFG's part. I mean, like, this, like, their conduct with Worlds has been pretty sad, honestly. Like, I was looking at last year. Last year, they announced the World the world Prizes on March 5th, right, for a tournament that was going to be in two months. This year, we, we still have... Like there's just so many things about worlds we don't know in terms of. Um, I tell you, I'm, we're we're all getting keyforge decks. <laughs> that's it. Oh man, I'm gonna burn it. I'm going to burn it in front of Todd's face. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, the reason why I bring that up is just to say I think we are going to be running a little bit light, just because a lot of people on the waitlist, I'll bet, were like, I cannot, like this is cutting it way too close. Maybe there's a, a few locals who can make it, and obviously, you know. If, if people who are in the area are like, well, I might as well go, you know, they might just show up, but we'll be running a little bit light, but out of that 60 to 70 people, I bet we have 30 to 35 people running Spectre. So. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that being the case, let's talk about the cut. Um, Actually, Sam, do you want to just go through the players and lists who made the cut? And then we can talk about that in a little bit in terms of the numbers. Sure. So <clears throat> we had 14 people playing the cut. All the 4-0s, 3-1s made it. Yep. So the three 4-0s, we had myself, we had Noah, both playing Spectre with Motivation. Yep. And we had Kenny yep. playing the the middle-middle with double weak ways. Yep. So let's tell about. For the 3-1s, yep. we had DT with a Palp, Terrell, Thrawn, E-Riot Swarm. Yep. Very we had... Cool Mark Neely, also on double equays, um, with, and then his kind of interesting thing, he had Chopper with Headhunter. Yep. And then we had Greg Monson, Spectrum Motivation, Ben, Spectrum Motivation, Josh, Spectrum Motivation, <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> Coop on, on Vassal, yep. Spectre Dow. Yep. We had Matt with his VPT. Then we had Ryan Janway, Spectrum Motivation, Victor Jack, Spectrum Motivation. Trevor, 
who uh, shout no, out for him. He that's not the, Trevor. That's uh, Jason Brady. Oh, Trevor that's Jason. Tri- oh, yeah. Tri- he's, uh, he's there. Is no try. He's the he's the other Star Wars quote. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jason. Jason, yep. Spectrum Motivation. Yep. And then J.K. Double Equays. Yeah, JK's and I were running, I think, the exact same list, including command cards. He might not have... I was running extra protection, and he might have been running black market prices. I'm not 100% positive on that, but... Um, first off, it, what we need to say is that... So, out of the top... Out of the 14 who make the cut, <laughs> nine of them are Spectre, and that is means that nine out of the 13 Spectre lists that were brought to the tournament made the cut. That's like a... what? Oh, I, I did the numbers here. That's a 70% conversion rate in terms of if you brought Spectre, 70% of the people who brought Spectre made it into the cut, which is kind of bonkers. Yeah, so, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, especially looking at the competition here, like yeah. you had great people playing these great lists that had done well previously, and then Spectre just comes in and it just dominates. Yep. Yes, indeed. It it truly did. I mean, and you know, it's not like this is a surprise. I I am a little. I was surprised that no rebel list made the top fourteen at the time. I mean, as we've talked about it since, I'm maybe not quite a surprise, but that surprised me. That only one Vader list made the cut surprised me. I mean, there were things about it that, you know, when you think about it, you're like, oh, this makes sense. Like it makes sense that all of these good. Spectre players who've been getting their practice in are now going to show up and they are like they've been practicing right so the the advantage that those of us who don't play Spectre used to have is that Spectre players hadn't played the list enough as much as we had played these other lists and so while we might have lacked like a, a list efficiency advantage we had like a familiarity advantage but that has clearly gone away so, yeah I mean I was initially surprised by those numbers as well I'm like only one Vader yep you know n- no IGs n- no Hans but yep. then but then you look at it in a more critical evaluation. You say, like, yeah, that's, yeah, you, this is what we should have been expecting, right? <clears throat> yep. I mean, because the problem is, like, for Han, Han remains, you know, one of the best figures in the game. But who are you going to pair him with? Like, Drock and Sabine are amazing, right? Like, they are incredible. But Drock is garbage versus Spectre because they are going to easily remove her in one activation. As soon as they get on top of her, they're going to kill her. And she can't lamb. Right, and she also can't do any of your other shenanigans like slippery target or anything like that. You can put second chance on her, and if you have MHD, you can miracle worker. But it's just not enough. And yeah, and, uh, IG is basically like all those points for Drock. For Drock, stick them in scum. Yeah. It's like as I I think I've mentioned this before that like IG right now is in the reverse spot of Han, whereas Han is a good figure that doesn't have the people around him. Yep. IG is not a good figure in the meta right now, but he has some people around him that are kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and we also, we, we, we talked about this again. A lot of this is kind of deja vu, but I've, I've had the chance to sharpen my thoughts on this a little bit. But um, So we had people send in their lists, I think, the day or two before, um, just, like, just so we could verify them. And I wasn't going to look at them except... Dave Seafelt sent in his list, and for whatever reason, like I saw the like the opening line of it was IG, <laughs> and I immediately emailed him, and I was like, "You shouldn't run IG," and we had like this conversation about it, like that morning where I was, or as we're getting ready for this tournament, where I'm trying to talk him out of running IG, but he he's like, "Well, it, it was kind of like what you said. He he wanted to give it a try to see what it IG could do because IG used to just be the strongest figure in the game." And, uh, but now it's uh, a force push pummel on um, yep. the dice. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and that's it. That's all you need. Right. And you're going to have some of those pieces and he can't dive in in order to remove somebody because if he dives in to remove somebody, he's going to kill one person if he's lucky and then he's just going to get obliterated. Right. Yep. And so you're going to trade Ezra and he's like, oh, I got Ezra. It's like, well, now you've lost IG. Right. So I've still got three other people who can hit really, really hard and kill all of your guys, and you have lost your biggest piece. So, exactly. IG, IG is just, I, I do not think, like, IG just can't cut it, right? Like, verse Spectre. It's it's that thing where his margin, I, I, I think, like, in order to get value out of IG, you need to be able to do the end of round, bomb in, you know, double tap, blaze, double tap, start of round, double tap, right? Like, you need like that crazy good of a chain in order to get value out of IG in the current in this current meta. And I just think there's too many ways to find him, kill him, stop him from killing somebody on, on Spectre team, and then he will just die. He has no defensive 
no defensive kit at all. So have have him low roll and do four damage to Zeb over yeah. three attacks and yeah, yeah, which is not like that crazy, right? Like, I mean, if he's within range, if he's within range to red, red, green, then I mean, he's expecting to do four or five damage per attack. That is not enough, right? Like that is not yeah. even going to kill Zeb in a double tap, and it's barely going to kill him in a um, a blaze of glory, right? And so. Yeah, you're going to Blaze of Glory, kill Zeb, and now you traded IG for Zeb? Like, yep. that's, that's not good enough. Nope, it is not good enough. So, IG is, I think, I think that there will still be Rebel players running Han at Worlds. I think there'll probably be five or six of them who run, like, some version of Jamal's list. Obviously, Jamal's going to run it. Gil's going to run it. Steven Rinsman's going to run it. Matt Froome's going to run it. Like, these guys, but they did well enough for the tournament. I think that they can expect to, you know, like keep practicing the list and maybe strengthen their margin a little bit versus Spectre because Spectre is certainly not going to be practicing versus that list. And so, you know, like that, that I think we could see, but I would be shocked to see more than, you know, because last year IG was in probably 10, 20 lists. And now I think about that, maybe even more, um, but at least that amount, I would be shocked if he was in seven lists at Worlds this year. Right. Yeah. I'm shocked. So, yeah, that's about where I think it's going to end up, too. Yeah. Um, are there any anything else in terms of the cut regarding what made it? So anything that surprised you um, or things that you think are worth taking note of? Um, well, at first, I thought it was really interesting that all three double week way lists made it in. Yeah. And then but, you look at, though, you look at their pre cut. Spectre matchups. They played yep. a total of two and went one on and went one and one. Yep, I I thought the same thing. I mean, like the reason that we built this list is because we thought the double pirates, like it's built to kill Spectre, is like the idea in that you've got just enough firepower that Spectre's going to remove. Like you can trade material with Spectre, which is just not a thing that most lists can do. But I didn't play. I played uh, Spectre in the top sixteen match. That was Jason Braggy. Um, and I beat him, but it was on fluctuations, which is a really strong. That's a that pirate's best map and Spectre's worst map. So that doesn't tell us a ton. JK yeah. went one and one. He lost to you, right? He did, and I also beat beat Mark. Oh, you top. did. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yes. It's, so like their the rank on the day was I think we won two and lost two. And that, and that, I mean, there's a lot of noise there, right? In terms of there's not a ton you can say either way. You beat JK and Mark. Um, you beat JK and Swiss and Mark in the cut. And JK beat, who did, I think he beat Trevor, actually. I think he played There Is No Try and beat Trevor. And then I beat Jason. So, like, there's not a ton to say about that. Like, I, I, I thought it was interesting that these double pirate lists made it. But then, you know, when you consider the fact that, well, they just didn't play enough Spectre, it maybe doesn't, it doesn't tell us as much. However, I do think that it is interesting that none of the other middle middle lists and IG list make the cut. That tells you something, right? Like, because yeah. they, if they did play Spectre, they didn't make the cut. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it, I think that this um, double pirates list, if you're going to run, I, I, I think the middle middle can, the other middle middles can do it, like Sabine and Hondo. Or DT posted a, a variation of the Double Pirates list that has, it's, it's actually kind of weird, but it's got like Hondo instead of Jabba and other things instead of Gideon. I actually think like it's suboptimal, like how he's built it, but I think there is an idea that you drop Jabba for Hondo. Um, so you've got one less focus. I don't like that. Um, that's actually kind of Mark, Mark Niley's list. Mm-hmm. And, maybe, and maybe we can get some of your thoughts in terms of playing against it. I don't think yeah. that – I just don't think it's – I think that lo- loss of focus and the extra attack is really going to matter. But I, The loss of focus, well, I get really, I think, swung things in my way in my game against Mark. Really? Yeah. I mean, an un- like unfocused weak way just can't do anything. Yeah. So instead of attacking me, he had an unfocused weak way use a set for stun it. Use a set oh, for stun. Man, that and the attack so would have done zero damage anyways because um, Ezra rolled like three blocks and evade, you know, yeah. that, that type of deal. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I I don't I don't think and obviously like we have been practicing this this double pirates list a lot in the last few weeks. 
Um, like, we have just been really grinding out games. And I feel fine in the Spectre matchup, right? Like, not that I'm going to win all the time, um, but, like, I know what I need to do. And more importantly, I know what Spectre needs to do. And so, I, at this point, I think it's more about practicing openings and figuring out, like, when you need to think about taking control of the tempo. And I'm going to give some examples of that here in a little bit. Um, but personally, I think that this Devil Pirates list, if you're running Scum, has got to be the direction you go. And I still don't think that many people are going to run it just because it just doesn't have enough of a track record, an established enough track record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so, I, yeah. Go ahead. What I want to what I want to do, Sam, is let's talk a little bit about. Um, so, to give a, everyone a, a summary of where we are currently at in the cut. So we cut the top fourteen. Everyone who was four and zero and three and one made us fourteen players. We gave um, Noah and Sam buys in the top cut, and then the rest of us played like a top sixteen. It was a top twelve tournament. So that was Victor Jack playing uh, Spectre Motivation versus Ryan Janway, Spectre Motivation. Ryan wins. Then there is Matt Ayler playing against Coop. Matt Ayler is playing VPT. Coop is playing his Doubt Spectre list. Matt Ayler wins. Then we've got um, Ben Varnum playing Greg Monson, both playing Spectre Motivation. Ben wins. Then you had JK and Mark um, paired against each other. Mark wins. Okay. DT beats Josh Songer. And DT is running this crazy awesome uh, Trooper Swarm list, which I don't think... I mean, I, I think the only person who can make this list work is DT. And yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And, I, and, we, and we can maybe talk about that in a little bit. I don't think that that list is... I don't, I don't think that that's going to be a very popular list. But DT won. Uh, and then I played Jason Brecky, um, and I won. So at this point, so we've got... So that's round one of the cut. Round two is Noah plays Ryan... Noah wins. Matt Ayler playing BPT plays Ben. Ben wins. Sam plays Mark. Sam wins. DT plays me. DT wins. So at this point, the top cut is three. The top four is three Spectre and DT. So you've got Noah plays Ben. Noah wins. And then Sam and DT play today, and Sam won. Okay, so the final is going to be Noah versus Sam, and that's... You know, we, we mentioned that at the very beginning of the episode, but I kind of want to give everyone just like a sense in terms of how the cut has winnowed down in terms of, I mean, the scum players did awesome in making the cut, but like we didn't make it beyond round two. So that's, that's kind of, that, that's the status of things. Now what I want to do, Sam, is with it being the case that like Spectre is, you know, so amazingly, you know, prevalent. Um, let's talk about, your path through Swiss in terms of your matchups. Give us some general thoughts on your matchups and especially I want your thoughts on the mirror, your thoughts on what to do versus double pirates um, and your thoughts in terms of realistically, I want to think a little bit more about like the mirror in matchup context. But first off, just give us like a general sense of what were the toughest lists you faced in your run through Swiss and through the cut thus far. Um, The games that were the absolute closest were... Spectre Cell. Okay. Um, I had a couple really close games. My first game against Trevor and my third game was my third game. My fourth game of Swiss against Greg. Okay. We're both really close. Okay. Um, my other mirror match was, was against Ben and it was almost really close, but, uh, one variant swing right at the beginning for me just broke it, broke it my way. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Um, That's something that we got to take note of. You played three Spectres. You played JK and three Spectres in Swiss, right? Yep. Yeah, that's kind Mm -hmm. of crazy. And how um, your game against JK, it wasn't close? No, it was not. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Like, do you have a thought as to why? Yeah, uh, JK's weak ways performed the charge of the Light Brigade round one. And so I killed them both round one. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Very, very rough. Interesting, Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, And so, obviously, Spectre Mirror is (laughs) would be your toughest. Tell me about like what are what are you thinking about in terms of the Spectre Mirror? Like you 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 sit down, you're sitting against an opponent, you don't know who they are or how much they've played, um, but like what are the things you're looking for in terms of tells or um, like ideas to how to formulate strategy against particular specter players. Like, what are you looking to do? What are you looking out for? Give us like, uh, an idea as to how you think about them, the mirror match. 
Um, okay, yeah. So here's some interesting things here, on, I think, on the mirror match. When I see them, if they're playing motivation and they put their motivation on Kanan, yep. I expect them to be players who are reliant on their Ezra-Kanan combos. Yep. That That's their strongest piece, that, that that's what they know how to play the best. Yep. And so maybe in that matchup, I try and take out Kanan a little quicker. Yeah. Just be, um, If they're playing it on Zeb, then um, that doesn't necessarily switch my target priority to Zeb, but I know that they aren't going to be necessarily tied to that Kanan-Ezra combo. Yeah. Um, I think it is important in the mirror match to know the math. Like, yes. you got to know who's going to put out the most single target damage against which characters. Yep. Like, Zeb can put out the most single target damage, but not when it's against Ezra's two blocks. Yep. You know, like, you, ha- you kind of have to realize when that... Which characters are going to do the most against which? Like Sabine um, can put out a lot of single target damage. If if Ezra does not have a fixed die, Sabine's going to do better single target damage on average than Ezra. That's so interesting. Yeah. Between her attack and her grenade. Great point. Yeah, Great between point. her attack and her and her grenade, she'll do higher single target damage than Ezra if he doesn't have a fixed die. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reroll helps too. So I mean, it's pretty close that way. But you, th- those are just things to know. Like you, you got to know the math. Uh, you got to know um, kind of the, the general cards that people are going to play. You know they're going to have movement cards. You know they're going to have at least one pummel. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you got to be aware of these things. And then you really have to, depending on who's initiative, changes a little bit how you got to play. Like, if you start with initiative, you got to play so they cannot blow you out the top of round two. Yeah. Yep. Because you because you don't have good card draw, so you cannot be dependent on like drawing into take or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So you gotta play in a manner that keeps you from just being blown out the top of round two. If you're playing with initiative, you want to set that up. Yeah, that's a great point. Now on Blitz, um, that was the game I had against Ben, and he tried to the player with initiative has got to. I think he played it right. He's got to try and ace someone. First activation, and he failed to do so, and it cost him his Ezra before his Ezra activated. Who did he try? Like, explain to me how that worked out, because that seems really risky versus um, really risky versus Spectre. So, to, who? How, how did that work out? So he went with. So he brushed up his Ezra. He went with his Sabine. Okay. He element of surprised with Sabine to shoot my Sabine. Okay. I negated the element of surprise. Interesting. And he did this on, um, like, are you on the spire? Is that yeah, like what's happening? Yeah. I'm tucked behind one side of the spire. And then he is, most of his guys are kind of behind that wall by the little generator. Okay. But his Ezra and Sabine are more forward. He goes to attack my Sabine with his Ezra. And my Sabine lives with like two health. Wow. Interesting. And then I just kill his Ezra before his Ezra activates. Man, that's brutal. And then the rest of his guys were, were too far away to kill someone. Well, and that's the thing, like, you got, you, you have to be able to take advantage of when initiative comes your way in the mirror. Yep, absolutely. That is the key. You must capitalize on initiative in order to win. If your initiative swing does not go well and your opponent's does, because you're assuming that both people will probably get it, you'll get initiative at some point, you just got to be the first to capitalize on that swing. Interesting. That's a great point. It's a very, yep. very great point. Um, so knowing the math, knowing initiative swings... Is there anything in terms of, are you generally more, is your, is, are you just thinking about your positioning and setup very reactively in terms of, okay, Ezra is moving this way, so I either don't want to move Zeb that way, or like, are there things like in terms of general positioning? So for example, where Ezra moves, most of the time, everybody else besides Spectre is like trying to like move away, right? Yep. I want to get close to Sabine, which sounds weird, but like, I want to be close to Sabine. Um, because I want to be able to kill her. Like she is like the most killable figure that Spectre has got. And so it's, it's kind of like this weird dance where if I can commit somebody who to kill Sabine, right? Like I want to do that. Whereas as Ezra is coming up, I never want to get close to Ezra. Like I never want to get close to Ezra. So do you, do you think about things like, are there, um, movement, things like that that you think about? Yeah. So, um, I want to keep myself, if I don't have initiative, I want to keep myself out of the way of a Kanan force push into Ezra. Okay. 
That's I always have to have that on mind because that's one of the biggest temple plays that they can make. Great point. Great um, point. A Kanan force push into an Ezra is just, or an Ezra force push into a pummel is just nasty. Yep. I mean, you got to be able to to avoid that. Um, yeah, and so there's always these positioning things that you kind of have to have in mind. Basically, where you want to be is you want to be in a spot where if you don't have initiative, they can't get to you. And if you have initiative, you want to be able to get to them. Yeah, that's a great point. And you want to be able to do it without, in the most protected manner possible. Yep. You know, so it's it's a lot of jockeying, um, sometimes trying to bluff your opponent by, you know, going maybe <clears throat> you push, you make it look like you're going to push people one way and then you don't. Mm. Or um, you're just trying to, and because of that, like, I've learned that some, a lot of people save Chopper for last. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's always the right thing because people know where Chopper's going to go anyways. Yeah, I rarely think it's the right play. And and here's why. As a non-Spectre player, I know you're going to go at Chopper last. So what that means is I have got – and I will save my – I will save my Jawa, right, or whoever's going to go sit on the terminal or not, right? Like I might decide to not ultimately send anybody to the terminal, but, like, the whole time you are not sending um, Chopper to the terminal, you're giving me information, right, in terms of you're going to move with Zed before you move with Chopper. You're going to move with Kanan before you move with Chopper. And that's just yeah. kind of crazy. You know, I get why you want to put pressure on the opponent's terminal, but they can wait as well, and it allows them to just be really, really responsive. Yeah, so. and I often end up with somebody else besides Chopper by my terminal anyways, especially on Tarkin. And it's like, whatever, I'll take a shock. Yeah. And it's like, and... My chopper would still probably be able to shock somebody too. Like my my chopper, it used to be I was saving him for the end. Now he's usually going, not necessarily first round one. Usually that's yeah. Hera because her movement's super predictable too, and I yeah. want to like wait until maybe I do have a target. But he's usually going second or third. Yeah, and sometimes so. he's not even shocking. Like so, the interesting thing about motivation um, is you want to maximize your movement with Spectre Cell. Yeah. You want to maximize those two movement points from Spectre Cell, from Motivation, and Chopper gives you a RAM. Yep. I which, love that. I love which it, love it. is such a great thing to utilize, especially in the mirror. Just like these little tactical advantages with positioning do actually matter quite a bit. Yeah, I think that Chopper's RAM and Kanan, like Chopper RAM, Kanan, or not Kanan, Zeb Motivation with Hera, Smooth landing. The ability to get three movement points for free on somebody round one is so good, especially like someone like Sabine, who yeah. now can like get up and threaten a grenade or <laughs> Ezra, right? Like with a movement you, card can threaten a strong attack, you know? Yeah, I'm like, uh, if Ezra moves up five with the Hera plus his Brash and yep. Sabine moves up three with Motivation plus Chopper Ram plus Hera thing on Maul's map, both of those figures are definitely threatening your opponent. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I I feel that. Man, that's so interesting. Um, well, tell me what else. Like in terms of, we should mention like, here's what, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because one thing as we have been, like I cannot stress enough how many gr- games we've been grinding out with these lists versus Spectre, especially this Pirates list. And the thing that we have realized is that, and we've known this for a while, but it's nice to kind of really put a, like some, like, practical experience on it is that a specter gets lucky you are going to not and even if they're not lucky if like they are above the variance curve and you're not running specter you'll lose you know Mm -hmm. unless you've got a way to push that variance down which is why i think hunters are such a a natural fit even if they're even if it's ultimately not going to work out because what weak ways excel at is pushing down the variance curve from your opponent, right? Like they roll a three block, you force them to re-roll. They roll a dodge, you force them to re-roll. And all the while you've got cards like heightened and tough luck. But the problem is, is that if you're not running pirates, then you are at the mercy of the luck of your dice, right? Yeah. And they've got this thing like in terms of, um, and this was kind of how the box was. The box relied on, um, shoring up the variants that could happen by just being so durable, right? And having, mm-hmm. like, these other tricks in order to just outlast the opponent. So even if, like, Dracotta shot and someone dodged, most of the time my positioning was defensive enough that it didn't matter, or things like that. My, my point is, like, you find a way to make that work. But with Spectre, that just doesn't work, right? Like, if Dracotta shoots 
Ezra and he dodges and he still has Lamb in, the, in hand, I lose the game, right? Like, you'll yeah, exactly. Lose. So, with that being the case, I want to talk about your game with DT, where you were playing on, I think, a list that, or a map that favors Spectre, that's Tarkin Weapons. DT was playing his really cool trooper list. Um, do you want to just give us an idea in terms of how that game went down? Yeah, so, um, what happened was, I started with initiative. Yep. I took the outside. And Um, why don't you take the inside so that you can have, so that, uh... Um, Sabine can have her uh, what's it called her little spot the the outside the outside's wherever the treehouse is oh yeah okay okay so yeah I took the outside okay um I don't think the treehouse is quite as strong as people think because it's really hard to reposition Sabine to get a shot um on their if they hide up behind in that middle hallway and kind of yeah. tucked around behind it's really yeah. hard to position her so the treehouse I, di- I didn't put her there. Let's just okay. do that. And I haven't okay. put her there in forever. I can't remember the last time she ended up there. Okay. So um, <clears throat> it's it's really good sometimes. But okay. it's really hard to reposition to that other side because of that, that wall. Um, but yeah, I did do that because the treehouse can be really strong. So I took that side. Okay. And then round one, um, DT did not open up his doors. I decided not to open up his doors either. Okay. And I had Zeb pick because he was getting initiative, right? Okay. Zeb picked up a green weapon. Sabine man, picked up a red crazy. weapon. Ezra picked up a green weapon. Oh man! I positioned my Kanan a little too far forward, and he was able to move eight with Taro and get a big shot off. Yeah. Did like eight damage or something. Seven eight damage. He like max rolled. Wow. That is nuts. I mean, it was something crazy. And then okay. top of the round, he did it again. Got my Kanan up to eleven. I ran my Kanan back to the treehouse. So yeah. now if he wants to go kill my Kanan, he has to run through Green Dye Zeb, Red Dye Sabine, Green Dye Ezra, yeah, plus Hera and Chopper. Yep. So, you know, he anybody who goes there to try and fish, do, that he's too far away to get Kanan anyways, he tries to get there, they just die to whatever nonsense happens, right? Yeah. So I have Pummel and Force Push in my hand. <clears throat> and I decide to set up so that top around three, and I have Negation. Oh, man. Yeah, so I decided to try and set up, get off a big, try and get a big pummel top around three when I get take. I mean, when I get an e, e initiative. initiative. Yep. So my last act, I open up the door with Ezra, his middle door, Spectre Cell Sabine to shoot tarot. I do eight damage. Okay. Because um, she's got a red weapon. Yeah, she's got a red weapon. Man, that's and then fine. he goes to attack me with his riot troopers. Okay. Goes to attack Sabine twice. Yep. One with death blow, one with the power token. I dodge one with death blow, take four from the power token. Okay. Um, then, top of the round, I Spectre Cell, I Pummel, I end up killing Taro and doing eight to Thrawn. Ooh. Um, my Sabine is surrounded by his riot troopers. Like, the do only you, way that he can get you, a shot, he either has to move up Palp 3 so that Palp could lightning her and be adjacent and hit three of his riot troopers as well. Uh-huh. And then get an off riot trooper attack, or he has to go with his riot troopers. Um, he decides to go with his Riot Troopers. I dodge again, and that was yeah. pretty much game. Yeah. I mean, because <clears throat> there's nothing you can do about that, but I did the math. I did the math on what chances four Riot Troopers, one with Death Blow, one with a Damage Power Token, one with a Surge Power Token, and just a normal uh-huh. one, have yep. to kill Sabine. Yep. 53%. That's not very good odds, right? Nope. And I then, mean, it's, it's good enough to like make the decision if you've got no other choices, but that is not... That is not what you need. <laughs> nope. And when he... So after the first dodge on the death blow attack is just to have his two riots who he activated next to kill Sabine, which he needed to do in order to keep her from killing Thrawn and then killing whichever riot trooper she chooses, right? Yeah. Um, 20% chance to kill her. Wow, that's crazy. Man, yeah. that's crazy. I think the thing is, and the reason why I bring this up is because this is my problem with a list like DTs, right? Is that his, his consistency... So pirate's consistency is built on forcing your opponent to like bring bring them down on the variance curve, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the riot troopers' consistency is built in their durability, right? But the yep. problem is, is that if they are if Sabine dodges, right, or if you've got if Sabine dodges once, right, then you're yeah. now all of a sudden you're in trouble. If she dodges twice, and people talk like, I mean, these things happen, right? Like they happen. Yeah. 
all the time in in games where it matters, right? Like people will roll dodges, and if you if you cannot if your list cannot handle that kind of risk, then that's that like Spectre gives you no mercy, right? Like if your list cannot handle your opponent getting that kind of variance, then you get no mercy. And yeah. so whereas like a lot of other lists, like okay, this happened, it feels a little bad, but. You know, I, I'm still in this. Like, Spectre is like, nope, all I needed was, like, one dodge, right? Like, I just needed to be a little above the variance curve. And now, all of a sudden, you know, if I'm well above it, like... And not even well above it, just, like, even a little bit more above it. I mean, it's, just it's so like... Tough down it's back. like, I rolled a six twice in four rolls. Like, that doesn't sound that crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing about DT's list is, as soon as I kill his ranged threats, Tarot and Thrawn, he has to come to me. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is not what you want to be doing. Nope. Nope, that is exactly correct. Man, that's that is brutal, brutal, brutal. I, okay, so with that being the case, the tournament has been it was awesome, right? Like even though it's oh, been yeah. Specter Bowl Part One, it's still been an incredible tournament in terms of showing people, um, like giving people some really good play experience practice versus really good players playing the best list. So for those of us who didn't run Specter, I think that it was. Either like I felt really good about um, I felt really good about the double pirates. I didn't run into Spectre until Jason in the uh, round one of the cut, um, but I felt good about it, um, and I still feel pretty good about it. Whereas I think maybe other people might feel a little less good. Like I'll bet you if you ran IG, you're probably not feeling so good about him, you know, going into worlds. So because of that, I think the tournament was awesome, and I am really really glad that we did it. But I do want to, um, with the time that we've got left, I want to think about what if we are if we are not ready to <laughs> fall on our swords and run like Rebel Heroes or something like that, and people are thinking about playing Spectre, Sam, what is like the one bit of advice you want to give to them as they're like spending these last two weeks like frantically preparing for Worlds? You know, like they don't want to run IG. They're going to run Spectre. Like, what is your advice for them? Learn the math? Yeah, definitely learn the math. Practice the mirror. Um, I would I would optimize for the mirror, honestly. I mean... Yes. Oh, totally. I mean, you can win the other ones just based on the math. Yep. Um, go ahead and optimize your command deck for, for the mirror. Learn the math. Let Go on to the... Learn, learn your lines of sight. Learn your best round one plays. And... Um, I don't have like, well, Tarkin's my most linear setup, but yeah. I usually have two or three different possible openings on each map. Yeah, my, is I, is I is kind I'm of right. is kind of the, the 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 idea that you have a couple of different ways where you can do things. Yeah, well, it seems like Maul's map is like the only one that I have found that seems fairly, I think that we have found a somewhat optimal opening for Spectre, where what you do is you send. Zeb, Kanan, and, and this is playing against a devious scheme, um, a devious scheme scum. So you don't get to pick your deployment side because if you pick your deployment side, I think you take the right side and then you said Ezra up into that T, right? Where mm -hmm. he is all of a sudden just a crazy threat um, with his, like on it, on his opponent's deployment zone and they can't get to him unless they get literally adjacent. And that is really scary um but if if it is if the specter player is instead on the top left side um we have found like as we've been playing and you know observing your games that it seems like what happens is ezra zeb and kanan are able to get into like that middle room area where it is very tough to get shots on them unless you're going to really commit guys forward right yeah so and with that being the case scum players like matt and i spent a lot of time yesterday thinking and talking about what we want to do in terms of do we want to commit under what circumstances do we want to commit? So I am, what's weird is like playing the box. I am an incredibly conservative player, but playing like scum lists, I want to think about, especially versus specter. I want to remove things as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I have, I like if like, for example, I'm playing against Matt and he's playing specter. I draw my opening hand is something like negation tools, um, negation tools, whatever. What I'm primary doing target. is primary target. It doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. if I'm seeing like a strong offensive card, what I do, what I want to do is move my double pirates up nearly to my 
um, terminal, and this is obviously like my second to last activation, and then send Greedo up in order to get a shot on Kanan most of the time or Zeb, depending on their positioning. Like I will take a shot on Zeb even in though even if he's going to get return fire, as yeah. long as Hera's not around because he is very unlikely to one shot Greedo, and I think the math is actually. It's the, the odds he's, are he's not going to do it. It's very very small. With Hera, the odds are a little bit better. Um, but I will I'll take that shot because what I want to be able to do is top of round two. I want to remove somebody and then re- pull back. Right, like that's the idea. So like in yeah. one of my games, I have negation, strength and numbers, tools. I have Greedo and two focus pirates go up. Greedo takes a shot on Zeb. I take five damage. He but he's still able to put some damage on him. My two pirates play. And the next round, he tries to take. I negate it. I do pirates double tap with tools. And I think I might have killed him. Actually, I think I did kill him with those two attacks. So with um, uh, tools, pirates, all everyone's focused. I'm able to kill Zeb. And then they move back. And Greedo takes a shot on Kanan and then retreats, right? So I've, I'm able to remove somebody and pull back. I think that that is like an optimal opening, but... Matt is much more conservative. What he is doing is just focusing up and just making sure that if whoever steps, whoever I send around the corner, he's just going to blow up. And I think that there it's things like that where you've got to think like, what is the hand I need in order to be more aggressive or not? Right. And I think that this is also something to think about, obviously in the mirror, especially this is something you yeah. should think about in the mirror. So um, what, well, what is your hand? Your hand's going to dictate how you play a lot of the time. Absolutely. Although, I think there is a lot to be said for um, bluffing, right? Especially oh, yeah. with Spectre. So, like, I didn't have Lamb in hand, but I still moved Ezra up like I have Lamb, right? And so, the problem is, is that's really risky to do versus Scum because they actually can kill Spectre. Like, one of them is going to, like, a Focus Pirate is going to shoot at Ezra and you're not going to play lamb after you take seven damage or six damage or whatever. And all of a sudden the, the scum player is like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to kill him. Right. Yeah. So, so I feel, but and, that's and, not, and then you play dying lunge and say, ha ha. Yeah. Gotcha. But like, I mean, at that point, like I've, if you lose a pirate, one pirate for Ezra, yeah. you're that's, that's still an okay trade. Yep, and so, exactly. but with specter, like when you're playing versus specter, they might not want to do that. Right. Like they might not want to take that risk. Because I think attacking Ezra most of the time, if you don't have a way to mitigate that risk, is a very bad idea. And well, so... Yeah, in, in my game against Greg, I never attacked Ezra or Hera, and he ended up using heroic effort to put on the lamb in the bottom of his deck. See, that's, I think, such a great example. And Matt and I were talking about that because in one of our games, it's late, and we played a lot. He goes to attack Hera, and I'm like, why are you attacking Hera? Right, like... You should at this point in the game, if you have not seen Lamb, you should never attack Harry. Like attack your attack Chopper, right? Like attack Sabine, even if you're not going to kill her. Like you just can't waste attacks here, right? So yeah, exactly, exactly. So and you know that that ended up you know in my game against Greg, I won without killing Hera or Ezra. That's crazy. I mean, it was on it was on the posters thing, and I think I had. It was like my Zeb and my Chopper and my Hera against his Hera and his Ezra or something at the end. But that's I just crazy. won on posters. Man, that's nuts. That is really, really interesting. Um, okay, well, you're going to be playing against Noah on Tuesday. We are not going to have time because what we're going to do is we're going to do a like episode 99. We're going to try and record this next week is going to be um, with like the, the Utah brothers. Um, so we're not going to have the time to do, although if you're on that, like if you're able to come on that, I guess you could give us an update in terms of how that goes. But we're not, what I'm saying is we're not going to be able to have like a, a big recap from, yeah. from you with this tournament, but you're in the finals of what I think mm-hmm. is probably the most competitive tournament since worlds, right? Like, I mean, I'm not like trying to throw shade on other tournaments, but it's rarely, rarely are you going to have a tournament that has got like Alfonso is Alfa- Alfonso and Greg and like the European contingent are so good, you know, and DT is so good. And Ryan Danway, like all these guys are just, it's such an incredible caliber of tournament. And yeah. you are playing in the finals. So tell us, like, give us things that you've learned, like what your biggest takeaway is. Just help us, help us with that. Yeah, so my biggest takeaway is, um, well, really that Spectre is obscenely strong. Yes. And um, that there's, I think, to win Worlds, 
Um, you can practice. What my biggest takeaway is is so I guess here I haven't. This is this is going to sound weird, but I haven't lost a mirror match yet in all my practice. And I've played a lot wow. of them. Wow, that is nuts. You should feel very good about that. I do, but you know, a lot of it was like there's games that are like I didn't lose that one, but asterisked. Sabine rolled two dodges when it really mattered. Yeah. Or, you know, exactly. And so, like, I think... And it is always, it's always useful to keep track of things like that. Like, you should keep track of things like that in terms of... I was in a great position. And I know, like, a person who does this is Ben Varnum. Like, he takes great notes on his games so that he is able to, like, provide concrete analysis in terms of like well this is how this went this particular way right or this is why you shouldn't read as much into into this right or exactly or like i beat ben but i was able to negate his element of surprise which kept my spin alive yeah you know exactly which that turned the entire game so that i was able to win easily but what if i didn't have that you know just these little these little asterisks that you got in notes and i think what what it really has shown me this tournament is that the the Spectre Cell player who wins Worlds, because I'm expecting it to be a Spectre Cell player, yep, is Agreed. going to have some things break their way. Yep. Like, I mean, you, you've got to get lucky, right? Like, yeah, you've exactly. You've got to get lucky when you're playing against similarly skilled players, right? Like, mm-hmm. who, rolls the, who rolls the dodges? You know, like, as long as people aren't making dumb mistakes, like, that is what we should expect. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, then, then that's exactly what, what... That's what my biggest takeaway is that I expect that... You know that the, the the variance is going to matter a lot, especially when you have in these high caliber high caliber tournaments. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. I mean, like your game against ET was, and you know, like I think you still <laughs> rolling in with weapons, you still would have done just fine, right? But it is nice to be able to say, like, well, the reason why I was able to win as convincingly as I did was on the back of these do- backs of these dodges, right? right. Mm-hmm. So and that helps you learn interesting things, right? Like as you're practicing. So yeah, because you know, like you're like, well, if I wouldn't have been lucky, I would have had to make different choices, and I need to know like what those choices are going to be in the future, so that I don't make mistakes. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like for me, the tournament and the cut was not a surprise, and it's also not something like I thought I'd be a little bit more bitter about this at this stage, right? In terms of just like how strong Spectre is, but I think that. The fact that we're all very confident that FFG is just going to nerf it, you know, like they can't nerf it now. Right. Like so close to Worlds. They can't. They should They should have nerfed it months ago, but they didn't. And so I think that everybody's thought is it's a very interesting puzzle in terms of if you're running Spectre, you've got to think about beating other Spectres. And if you're not running Spectre, the puzzle you're trying to solve is how do I take this suboptimal list as far as I would like to go. Like, I don't think you should have planned to win, right? But if you're able to get a 4-2 and two record with double pirates, you should feel pretty good about that, right? As, especially if yeah. you're able to do so on the back of, um, like, winning <laughs> winning against Spectre players because that's what you're going to see in the top cut. Right, exactly. And I think uh, I think the big thing is, it, is, is, have, is have fun with it. I would recommend to, to people who are thinking about switching to Spectre, if yeah. you really don't like playing Spectre, and you're going to Worlds, just just don't run it. Agreed. Run, run something that you think this. is fun. Yep. I mean, I enjoy playing Spectre, and so I'm running it, right? Yeah. But and, like, you've, and you've played it a lot, right? And, and I've played it a lot, yeah. you put the time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, if, if, you, if you don't enjoy that style of play, then play something that you like. Agreed. Completely agreed. If I didn't feel like Double Pirates had as good of a matchup as I think it has, I would just run the box, right? Or Jedi boys. And cause I feel like worlds at this point is not really about, it's not about like, we all know that like DT is the best, right? And like, he's just done so well. And we also know that Spectre is broken. And so it's not like the case, and I'm not like casting shade on whoever wins with Spectre, but it's right. not, it's not like we're like last year's meta was incredible. Right. And it was an incredible thing to, see that meta develop whereas this that is not what we're looking for in terms of like what we're looking to get out of the tournament so with that being the case i think that there's something awesome in just saying like well let's like we're going to have fun we're going to play star wars games you know like we don't know like what ffg is doing with imperial assault which is incredibly frustrating Um, but that's where that's where we're at right like and there's no sense being like angry and 
you know, getting all, getting all up about that. I've already passed through that stage of grief. So, yep. you know, I, I think that it is exactly what you're saying. Show up to have fun. And even if you go, you know, one and five or two and four on the day, like we're going to have so much fun, like with, uh, with the slackers. And so just get ready for that. But Awesome. Well, before we before we descend into too much rambling, I just want to again encourage everyone to keep getting keep your nose to the grindstone, especially practicing the mirror. Um, figure out maps. Figure out Maul's map. It's a very very interesting map. Like the lines of sight on that map are nuts. Yeah, they are. Um, and so like you should be aware of those. And besides that, I mean, everyone just keep practicing. Get ready to have a ton of fun. Yep. Make sure to say hi to us at Worlds when you see us. That's right. That is right. Um, we are. We. I'm sure you will notice my frequent, um, my frequent yelling. But absolutely. I mean, I think. And also, even if you're not planning on hanging out with the slacker group, we will. We'll be doing like enough events around the tournament that you don't need to feel like um, you got to show up for everything, right? Like if you just want to drop in, like when we're playing games or something like that. I think Matt, uh, Matthew Scott wants to play. Um, two rooms and a boom things like that so if you want to join that or don't there's nothing wrong like no pressure we're just going to have a ton of fun but sam thank you so much for coming on good luck winning worlds thank you for having me kenny we're confident we're we are confident you can do it so um good and good luck to everybody as again we're not going to have an uh like our next episode we will have a little bit of worlds prep but it's not going to be as focused as um, what Sam has given us. So just make sure you keep your nose to the grindstone and everyone have a lot of fun. Thanks again, Sam. Thank you, Kenny. Mm -hmm.